Good morning. You got to stay tuned, I hope, for Ask a Leader. We've got Greg Palestine. I'm so stoked. So uh, we'll be right back, and we'll get the show going. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining Heather. Stay tuned. We're going to talk today on the show with um, Greg Pallast, will be my first guest, an investigative journalist, about some disturbing and persistent activities that aim to suppress the vote in this great democracy of ours. He's been on a road tour, and now we have him with us. And the second guest is a CalPERG intern, UCI student Ryan Borden. And finally, at the end of the show, we'll hear from autism activist, parent of an adult autistic child and author, Leslie Crucial, to tell us about her book and this Saturday's Walk Now for Autism Speaks to be held at the Great Park. So don't go away. We'll be right back with various um, business to conduct today. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board hey, of Regents. Call me, dude. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. K K U C I I C I C K U C I Irvine. I beg your pardon. We're going to get Greg here up in just a second. He's uh, calling from New York City on his book tour, as I said. We're really very, very fortunate to have him uh, with us today. So we're going to be back. Well, I thought it only natural to put on Brahms's minor tones because what we're going to hear from Greg Pallast is going to put a, this puts us in the mood for what we're going to talk about. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. We are four weeks away from the election, and my guest today is Greg Pallast. He's been keeping track of the levers that have been pulled to get to where we are now. Native son of San Fernando Valley educated at the University of Chicago. In the beginning, there was Bush.com, and we may not have a chance to talk about that, but look it up, folks. And Palast has continued to investigate electoral manipulations as purging, caging, spoiling, ejecting, blocking, rejecting, prestidigitizing, tossing, stuffing occur as we speak. A freelance journalist appearing in The Nation, Harper's, The Rolling Stone, Democracy Now!, British Broadcasting Corporation, as well as the new British newspapers, The Guardian and The Observer, uh, Greg uh, Palace has racked it up. His books include The Best Democracy That Money Can Buy and Armed Madhouse. And over this last decade, Robert Kennedy Jr. has joined forces to bring the American public's attention about the pernicious trends afoot. Greg Palace's latest book, with a forward by RFK called A Hostile Takeover of Our Country. The book is called Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, How to Steal an Election in Nine Easy Steps. This will be the primary focus of our interview this morning, published by none other than Greg Pallas, Ted Rawl, the illustrator in the book, and the Pallas Investigative Fund. He comes to us today from NYC. Welcome, Greg Pallas, to Ask a Leader. Hey, Claudia, glad to be with you, though I do object to Brahms. It's so grim. I, it should be Looney Tunes. Well, we have, we've got, we'll have, <laughs> you know, it is grim. That's the, uh, the, the whole, you know, the, the tragic comedy is, you know, we, we, it's, uh, it may be the Laurel and Hardy theme. I guess, oh, that dates me. No, um. wait, well, wait, no, what we're going to do, we have, um, I have a special jingle planned for the, um, 
to, to close it out, and you may or may or not had a chance, but the listeners will hear it. So, but no, the the, the minor key because it's heavy stuff because these levers are not uh, um, inconsequential; they're major. Well, I want first to congratulate, and you reached you reached the number ten slot on the New York Times bestseller nonfiction list with Billionaires and Bandits. Well, Greg, we can recall when George W. Bush addressed his haves and have more supporters in his fundraisers leading up to yep. t- his 20, 2000 election. Well, these funds, they seem quaint up against the super PAC's legal campaign money laundering of 2012. It sounds it sounds yeah. like a, bless you, it sounds like a banana republic, but this is our United States. It's our democracy. And as you point out in your book, $7 billion was expended on campaigns in 2008, and you, you're projecting $9.8 billion for this election cycle. And and as you say, what a stimulus package for a given few. Let's talk about how voter suppression, its multi-front campaign, um, and how on each uh, front it's carefully calibrated for the result that's unfolding before our very eyes. Well, um, I would say we're kind of a banana republic without appeal. You kind of open yourself for that one. Um, but <laughs> uh, we had, uh, in billionaires and ballot bandits, uh, we, I say we, Bobby Kennedy and I, who did the investigation to begin with for Rolling Stone, uh, we ca- I calculate the, from the, um, from the uh, official numbers at the federal government, which they keep nicely hidden, that 5.9 million votes were cast, not counted in the election, uh, but that would include those citizens who were removed from the voter rolls. Wrong. Wow. Illegal voters. So... Yeah, about 2.7 million votes cast and thrown in the garbage. Uh, my, by the way, my numbers are way below those of, of other experts like Brennan Center, MIT, Harvard Law, et cetera. But um, mine are quite conservative. 2.7 million votes cast and not counted, and uh, 3.7, uh, 3.2 million voters illegally removed from voter rolls and blocked from voting. And But this time... You know, why quibble over the numbers? It'll be at least double that. So we're talking about 12 million voters who are going to get the uh, are going to have their votes trashed. Now, if it were random, this is a glitch. You know, like they call it spoilage, the votes that aren't counted in the in the vote biz. And we've known about it for decades. But um, where I contributed to the discussion is back in 2000, when uh, we had a purge of tens of thousands of voters from the voter rolls in Florida. I asked a simple question: What was the color of those, of those voters who were purged? Because it was, it was, and the answer was, I got to a statistician in Florida who said, "Oh, I'm waiting for someone to ask me that. They're black voters. They're not guessing because it says B L A black next to every black voter." Right, because when they register, before. they they circle that when they register. They must, yeah, that by by law. And by the way, that was originally meant to protect black voters, but now with the, all this data mining stuff, it's used to zero in on black voters. <sighs> Yes. And challenge their right to vote. So it was not only that they caught, that they found all these black so-called felons. Uh, the fact was is that none of them. And I want to make this clear. Yes, exactly. Because the New York Times took four years to finally say, talk about the flawed felon list in Florida. It isn't flawed, you flunkies. It is completely fraudulent. There was not one name out of tens of thousands of illegal voters People are not willing to go back to jail to vote for a school bond or even for president. It does, you know, that doesn't happen. And yet here they were claiming that tens of thousands of people were voting illegally, which is a, which is a federal felony crime. You get caught, you 100% of the time go to jail. Right. And they also now have added in so-called illegal aliens, which is quite amazing. Florida yes. says that 181,000 illegal aliens who usually tend to not want to talk to officials have actually given their names and addresses to officials that they could vote uh, for the Democrats. Now, it's one of two things happened. We've either had the biggest crime wave in America, the bigger than drugs, cocaine, and um, uh, you know traffic tickets combined in terms of illegal alien voters, or it's a fraud, it's a fake, it's a con, it's a way to knock out Hispanic and black voters, and that's what's happening. The, fel- the Florida felon list, by the way, is back. If you look in Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, I right. actually show part of it. Right. There's a Robert Moore who commits a crime somewhere, and you know how many black Robert Moores there are in There's, Florida? Plenty. But that's not good enough for them to knock out 100 black Robert Moores because they have the same name as a felon. They have an algorithm which looks for um, 
which looks for transformation. So not only does every black Robert Moore get knocked out, but Bobby Moore got knocked out. Now, that's very interesting because Bobby Moore, Mrs. Bobby Moore, who is black, B-L-A, so you have Mr. Robert Moore committing a crime, Mrs. Bobby, B-O-B-B-I Moore, loses her vote in Florida because, of course, she's guilty of being B-L-A, black. That's one of nine methods of knocking out the vote. So that's what you'll find in Billionaires and Ballot Bandits. And, and while I understand the need for the dark Brahms music, I think that there is a great deal of humor in the complete well, destruction but, of our democracy well, and, and an electronic coup d'etat in yes, progress. Greg, Greg, and that's why I have a 50-page comic book in ex- the middle. Exactly, exactly. But, but while we're on the Brahms uh, mood topic, though, I do recall, Greg, when we heard in 2000 when the networks had uh, projected that Florida had gone to Al Gore. We're not going to dwell on this old race, folks, long, but it's just to prove a point because it's what's happening now with greater sophistication. But well, there was a, a, a response in the, in the press at the moment that projection was made that the Republican representatives spoke to the press and said, no, it didn't go to Al Gore. Quo- I'll quote them. They said, we have the numbers. When I heard that, I didn't know what it meant, but I knew it didn't. It didn't mean good, and so it yeah. was and years now, by later the way, when a lot of people, just so you know, yes, believe that jumped to the conclusion that there was a change in electronic count, which there wasn't. Okay. What there was is something which is still going on today, which is which is easier to pull off than messing with the electronic vote count because there weren't many electronic machines in Florida at the time. Right. Is they simply threw out ballots. Officially, that's officially, the, that's officially 178,000 ballots. Were the spoiling that you ballots. talk about, yes. And that's called spoiling. Yeah. Now, nationwide, nationwide, we have 100, uh, 1.4 million votes in the last election were cast and not counted because they were supposedly spoiled, unreadable, something went wrong. Now, you'd say, well, so, you know, there's always a glitch. Now, right. think about it. It's only about one per little more than one percent of the votes cast so you think well one out of a hundred or one out of eighty ballots getting messed up big deal well that's the margin of victory in in uh, in most tight races and um, it was way more than the margin of victory in the presidential last couple uh, two of the last right. presidential races as you pointed out and uh, seven and uh, here's the trick if it were random or if someone, if, if you know, a glitch here, glitch there, so you know, who does it favor? Who knows? But we know. I'll, you tell me who it favors. If you look in the stinky pile of votes in the dumpster, if you are African American, the chance your vote will quote spoil, not be counted, um, is nine hundred percent higher than if you're white. And Greg, how do you back in, that up? How how do well, you know I that? I, actually, because I don't dive in the dumpster. Actually, I did dive in the dumpster. I'll tell you that. I actually went to Florida and looked at these spoiled ballots. And I went to, and I've been all over the country looking at spoiled ballots, including Southern California, okay. which is, has, by the way, uh, some of the worst vote theft in America happens in, in Southern California. In what way? Uh, if you think that, that Dixie is bad or Florida is bad, you ought to try Orange County in San Diego. Well, that's where we are. We're right here in the middle of Orange yeah, County. I talked to I Neil know. Kelly. You're, you're, you know, it's like heat of the night. I mean, except that, you know, it's, it's, you're high tech guys. So you guys don't use those white sheets to knock out color, uh, voters of color. You use spreadsheets. I'll get to that one second. Okay. Let me explain. So uh, it starts with this spoilage business. Example, um, it was, by the way, the, um, uh, the U.S. Civil Rights Commission, which brought in um, the uh, statisticians from Harvard. By the way, I, have, uh, I used to teach uh, uh, university-level statistics, so okay. I something I'm very comfortable with. And uh, both the dean of the Berkeley, uh, University of California Berkeley Law School, Chris Edley, directed a study, as did Phil Klinkner. These are top experts, and that's where they came up with the wipeout of the, the racial bias in the, in the wipeout. And I had Klinkner actually do some numbers on Hispanics, about 500% higher chance of having your vote spoiled if you're Hispanic than if you're, um, than if you're white. And how does this happen? How does this happen? Well, number one, they want it to happen. Uh, number two, so that, and how do you work something like this? Well, it's simple. You give black and brown people the worst schools, the worst hospitals. The longest lines. You give them the worst uh, machines and ballots, and, and uh, that's how it works. In Florida, there was a simple way. 
in, in uh, White Ridge, Tallahassee, Leon County. They had optical paper ballots with optical readers in, in the precinct. You make a mistake, you put it in the machine, and the machine kicks back your ballot and says, try again. You take a fresh ballot, try again. You had a wrong mark. You forgot to vote for something, you know, something like that. Uh, in the neighboring county, Gadsden. which is Forest and Blackest, Gadsden, yep. you had paper ballots and the same paper ballots, the same optical reader, except the optical reader was not in the precinct. They couldn't afford it, so they put them in the central uh, county office. And so if a mistake was made, and that's about one out of eight ballots, if a mistake was made, it was thrown out. So in Leon County, not one ballot was lost. In Gadsden, the black county, one in eight ballots was lost. Now, who did they vote for? Now, the other thing is you say, well, who knew that? The answer is Jeb Bush in the state of Florida because the, the, the election supervisor in Tallahassee said, you know, in the poor counties, they've got, they don't have the machines that they need, and they're going to lose tens of thousands of votes. Um, and that couldn't make them happier. So they knew in advance of these elections. They know. They know this is going to happen. Plus, now it's added by the fact that you have – now we've moved to Southern California, um, where uh, it's um, uh, sunshine statism in the voting booth. Um, and I'll tell you, I know two voters who had their votes, absentee ballots, dis- uh, Spoiled. destroyed. Okay. Spoiled. In what way? Not we'll- counted. Are my parents – in San Diego. If you remember, there was a mayor's race. Right. And the Democrat was a write-in candidate and still won. Donna Fry, surfer chick, as they called her, as she calls herself. Right. And surfer chick actually won a write-in campaign until the Republican clerks decided to recount and throw out all the absentee ballots. And about half the people in San Diego vote absentee, by the way. It's not a small amount. And as you show, the absentee ballots have a greater rate, or actually the coverage now in the New York Times and other uh, papers um, are showing that this. And I just want to mention, anyone who's just joined us, I'm talking to Greg Pallast, a muckraker like no other in our time, uh, talking about the research he's done and leading up to his uh, recently released book, Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, How to Steal an Election, Easy Steps. And folks, you're, you're wondering, now where can I get a book that makes me feel so informed and so grim, you can go to uh, either gregpalace.com or you can actually go directly to ballotbandits.org and you can order the book in that way. So we're talking about that right in. We're going to quickly wrap that scenario so we can get into some of the general lever pulling that's going on right now with the half a billion dollars in play with uh, four weeks to go. So 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 they questioned... Let me just mention this uh, quick one. Donna Fry was the writing candidate in San Diego. My parents uh, wrote her in. And uh, then, and she won. But then they discounted, they eliminated and wiped out the votes of 4,000 voters because when they voted absentee Donna Fry, they didn't uh, darken in the bubble next to her name. Now, in the old they days, circled when it. What they do? Supreme Court instead of Supreme Corporation. Right. The voters' intent rules. So when someone writes in Donna Fry, who do you think that they? What is their intent? For intent their vote? was the thing, right? The But now you have. A guy uh, who uh, Carl, uh, who goes by uh, the name George Bush gave him, Turd Blossom, otherwise named Carl Rowe, right, right. who runs a system called Data Trust, who uses massive database operation for the purpose of targeting and challenging votes and voters. This is one of the great new evils. So the stuff that knocked out my parents' vote and knocked out Surfer Chick, who was elected mayor of, of San Diego and then had it stolen – um, this is now being cranked up to a very, very high level, high sophistication. It costs them tens of millions of dollars to run this um, right. uh, Jim Crow uh, cyber op. Or voting apartheid, as you call it. It's happening. Yes. And, you know, it's lynching by laptop is another way of thinking yes. about it. Yes, yes. Well, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the trick. Now, um, so go ahead. You wanted me to move on to something. Well, we're talking evil. about the levers now because of the uh, cock. The, the Koch brothers, uh, Tex and Harold Simmons, these all have a huge amount of cash they've made available as a, re- as a result of not only Citizens United, but the, uh, the, rule up, the, following, uh, ru- the follow-up ruling, on, remind me, I have it here, Freedom, the, um, the, uh, that allows for the, uh, the uh, nonprofit status for the, the campaign, um, uh, the PAC, the super PACs. They're, uh, these 
folks coalescing and setting up what you say, uh, digitizing the voter uh, suppression beyond the, what you said. The Democrats are working with floppy disks and the Republicans Republicans have gone digital. So all this is they're wanting to uh, bear uh, influence here on getting closer and closer to the big prize with that. Uh, in one of the scenarios that you talk about in um, Billionaire uh, Bandits, that uh, to create uh, once and for all, all the terms for the permit to extend the oil all the way down from Canada to or, uh, the 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 the, uh, the natural gas line uh, to the refinery that Coke has uh, control over in Texas. So there's, I mean, it's all it's extremely uh, carefully laid out plan. But these guys have been involved, the Coke brothers, since they got Newt Gingrich on board with the contract with America. So this these plans have been uh, long in the making with so many people along the way that you mention in the. Uh, the bandits book that uh, I hope everybody gets a chance to look at before yeah, November 6th. Yeah, the point of billionaires and ballot bandits is just that I've been writing about theft of the election for decades, me and Bobby Kennedy. Right. I've also been investigating for the guardian and BBC, these creepy billionaires. I've, and even before being an investigative reporter, I was investigating um, the Koch brothers with the FBI back in the early nineties when they were stealing oil from an Indian reservation. Yes. And so I've been watching this stuff for a long time, and I said, look, we have to put it together. And that's why Billionaires and Ballot Bandits is a very, you know, I usually have complex book names like, you know, Vulture's Picnic was my last one. But this is simple. I'm trying to explain that no one steals votes to steal an election. They steal votes to steal the money. Okay? And the Koch brothers are not in this because they, the, the Koch brothers are raising one quarter billion dollars for Romney and the Republicans. Not because they like Romney or they care about Republicans. In fact, David Koch was going to run for governor of Kansas as a Democrat, just so you know. Um, and uh, Why it's not that... partisan. It's all about the money. They need the XL pipeline, which, by the way, isn't just a minor correction, but it's important. It's not natural gas. It's very unnatural tar right. sands, oil right, sludge. Right, right. And um, they need that for their refineries on the Gulf Coast of Texas because they cannot refine anything but ultra-heavy crude which right now they get from Venezuela, and they do not like Hugo Chavez. Who got reelected and you talk this, about that this week. And, and you're talking um, about yeah, and mainly they don't like him not because they don't like socialists. They don't like him because he charges the full OPEC price for his for his uh, stinky oil, and um, they can get it at seven dollars a barrel discount delivered uh, from Canada as long as you can pull the sludge through a straw, uh, a, a weak straw that goes across the Aguila Aquifer. And slashes across the United States, but that's no big deal for these guys. All I have to do is buy the Senate, and they've bought it already. Well, and I mean, you, this is gone. I can tell you right now. Right, right. And you uh, mentioned now how yeah. Harold Simmons was uh, actually uh, his ploy was to get Rick Perry uh, into a presidential campaign where there was unlimited funds because he couldn't support Rick Perry with unlimited funds in a gubernatorial race, a campaign in Texas because there is campaign finance um, ca- caps in the state of right. Texas. So. So Harold yeah, Simpson makes back up so people know why, who Harold Simmons is. His name he goes by the name Iceman. I don't give people the names. You're going to meet they gave each other that name. Right. Bands, you're going to meet people like Iceman Simmons, Singer the Vulture, Snake Paulson, not Hank Paulson, a different guy. Snake Paulson. These guys use these names as a way that their bankers love because it frightens their targets. It's deliberate, but now they're. So um, they don't like me mentioning the names they use among themselves, but uh, I'm laying it all out. So Iceman Simmons is uh, trying to build the world's biggest or the America's biggest waste dump uh, and will mostly be nuclear waste. He also wants to put it on top of the Aguila Aquifer in Texas. And the Environmental Protection Agency is saying, you can't do that. So he's, So Iceman is putting up 70 million dollars let me repeat that 70 million dollars to elect a senate which will castrate the epa or if you know if he gets his president romney romney's promised to every republican and iceman simmons gave money to every republican every republican um every republican signed on saying they would eliminate the epa completely so you don't have to worry about lead paint uh, by the way, he owns National right. Lead, which is responsible for you know hundreds of thousands of kids having uh, ending up with uh, mental retardation because of of the lead paint of the lead in the Dutch paint, in the white 
Dutch boy paint. Right. Which is not, and this guy, now what is $70 million to Iceman? He's not worth much. over $10 billion. It's chump change. It's, he has $70 million in, you know, between the cushions of his sofa. And for this, though, so he can buy the United States Congress. He's, team, he's the guy who paid for Karl Rove's data trust machine, which is going after black voters and Hispanic voters and others through the, through the sickest means. And by the way, according to law professor Kennedy, who has written a couple chapters of the book right. of Billionaires and Ballot Bandits, it's illegal to go to jail crime. He says, you know, Rove should be in prison. But he's not in prison. He's going to be, you know, he's um, basically running the entire Republican campaign outside the Republican Party. Right, with the Restore America and American Crossroads and with all of these. And we're, we have, I don't know if you're ever going to mention Alec in the next book, but uh, the, there are so many levers that are being pulled that we see the desperation mounting. We see a, a full-page ad taken out by the Brennan um, Goodness gracious! Brenda Center for Justice, the Brenda right. Center for Justice. They they pulled a full page ad, and I'm sure, and not just one paper. I'm not sure it's in the Ohio papers, but uh, just clamoring here for some kind of oversight, some kind of a awareness of what is going down here. And it's uh, well, the, the way the way to do it. And I work with the. Brenda this is what Center. we need. This takeaway message, Greg. Shoot okay. it. Okay, okay. There's uh, if you're going to vote, you need a ballot condom. And I've provided one at the back of Billionaires and Ballot Bandits. And Seven ways to steal back your vote. Seven ways to steal back your vote. There are things you can do, things you must do, especially in California, by the way, where 42% of new registrations were thrown in the garbage. I kid you not, by wow. um, your Republican, uh, former Republican Secretary of State McPherson when he was in, 42% of registration forms were rejected, and people didn't even know it. They don't know it until it's too late. And it was almost all Hispanics um, and uh, Arabic and um, uh, Filipino names. He really hates Filipino voters. And so if you think you're registered, you aren't. So number three of number seven of the seven is, if you're in California especially, register. And you think you're registered? No, 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 no. You better get online right now. Go to your county clerk in, in either Irvine or the state uh, secretary of state's office website and look for your name and make sure that you're listed as an active and legal voter. Look at your name. Look how, how your name is spelt because they, especially in California, they have a terrible habit of misspelling names. You'll show up with your ID and they'll say, well, you know, that's not you because there's one letter missing. And they just put it down wrong. You better check this all out. So you need your ballot condom. And if you can't get the, your hands on the book right away, at least, and you should because it's, you know, it's a top uh, New York Times bestseller right now. It should be in every bookstore. But if you can't find it right away or online, go to ballotbandits.org, and you can download your ballot condom. You can download the seven ways to beat the ballot bandits as either a leaflet or a big colorful poster or, or get posters from our foundation. By the way, we don't make any money off this book or anything because it's a not-for-profit foundation. Right, right. And uh, so anyway, I, I do have to get going here yes. because uh, I've got <laughs> – I've got actually, believe it or not, an investigation which is expanding. Okay. Watch this space. Go to gregpals.com. We're guys. going to, and Keep we're going to. your gonna... eyes open because we're about to bust open a story that's in billionaires and ballot bandits, but we're going to take it one step further and blow the doors off the current okay. the presidential Just tell us which chapter is it. Which chapter is it in? Can't tell you. Oh, you can't even tell us that chapter. To, you have to read the whole book. Oh, and, no, no. I'm... And at least read the comic book by Ted Rawl, 50 pages inside. And you can play Brahms all you want, but we're going to, you know, let's keep, you know, they, what they can't handle, these guys, is ridicule. No, they can't. Because they're, they're, in fact, they're billionaires, but they're also buffoons. Billionaires, I should have called it billionaires and ballot bandits and buffoons, because that's who they are. And when we expose these clowns... Well, uh, America will be better off. I'm going to make sure with the podcast everybody can get back to these websites, and we're going. I'm going to advise, uh, recommend how people could uh, take the the putting the condom on your own uh, voters registration and your ballot is to, I guess, fan out, fan out, and make sure everybody's uh, done the same. That, that is, in fact, number six. Oh gosh, I believe, I which that, is invade. Yeah. Uh, invade Nevada, occupy Ohio, uh, because especially those are states with really tight races. You really? also have some tight races in in, in uh, California for Congress, and you have tight races for in the Senate in Nevada, which is also a presidential swing state. I don't care whether that you. I'm not here for to elect Democrats. That's not my problem. You're here yours. for democracy. It, it, You've told us it's that democracy. Right and in fact, you know, if you. 
are true blue and think Obama is, you know, Jesus on a pogo stick, don't read this book because I'm going to tell about tell you about Obama's well, billionaires as well. Well, what we want to we want to thank you for being on here and squeezing between the book tour and I know you're investigating all the time because it takes a lot yeah, of time I to get into dumpsters and offices. Just so I can get back on on the trail. The all investigation right. is everything, you know, as far as I'm concerned. That's my job. And uh, so thank you so much for bringing my voice back home to California because I've been, you know, been out. doing that uh, that crazy ass uh, um, easy, you know, thing of broadcasting from Britain because I'm blocked in my own right. home country. Right, right, so right. Bless you. And, um, you know, and, uh, if anyone uh, needs a term paper written, I can help you out for a certain fee, which will be donated to the Palace of Investigative. No, oh, no, I'm not supposed to say that. Okay. You, uh, no, better No, yet. we can <laughs> plug. We can plug. But we know you're on a, on a, on a, a time limit, and uh, we've got two more guests. That we know we're so glad one of them is a, a Calperg intern, so he's, he's getting a download from Palace today. So Greg Palace, uh, investigative journalist, muckraker like no other in our time, thank you for being on Ask a Leader today. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to get back after a short break and talk with intern Ryan Borden about his CalPerg work on campus. So stay with us, please. Thank you for staying with us today. I don't know if that puts you in a mood. It puts me in a mood listening to Greg Powell's. But let's get into a different mood with a, with the upbeat optimism uh, and the earnestness of what students bring into the political process. My next guest is Ryan Borden. I just met Ryan recently here at the station, and he's interested, folks, in uh, l taking the training program, and we're, I was interested in taking him into an interview. So uh, he is, as I said, an intern with CalPERC. And Ryan, remind me that California... The California Public Interest Research Group. Research Group. And, yeah. And he is a sophomore uh, studying, uh, majoring in political science, originally from Pacifica, California, that's up there south of San Francisco. He joins me today for his radio uh, debut here in Studio A. Welcome to Ask Alir, Ryan Borden. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, we're glad to be able to um, shift gears a little bit. Um, I know that you're working on getting the vote out here. That UCI students were very vigorous in turning out in 2008. I hope you'll tell us how you're going to make that goal this year. Well, we're working with a lot of faculty and student organizations on campus, especially we're partnering Let's with name those organizations, as many as you can think of. Um, ASUCI, UCI Vote. Um, that's all I have. <laughs> that's all I have at the top of my head. But really, it's we're working with students to get other students registered. That's our big and main concern. Um, Are they responsive? Yes, very responsive. Uh, our goal uh, is to get three thousand students registered on campus, and we're planning all these big, like campus-wide events to really get um, like a blitz of voting which is going to be awesome, or registration, rather. It's going to be awesome. Well, you know, you've been here listening to Greg Powell's talk today. You can uh, assure that, or n let's say, put on notice students who say, oh, I've already registered, and this is your chance to say, well, you know, why don't you go ahead and confirm your registration so that you're not uh, given any uh, untold, uh, su unseemly surprises when you expect to be voting this year? Yeah. Um, we've actually had a lot of people ask. So... Uh, they would ask us, like, I've registered before. How do I know if I'm going to be able to register to vote now? And so what we'd recommend to them is to re-register just in case. Um, Excellent. A lot of times people, like, register back home and they don't know how they're going to get that ballot or they think they registered for last year's place. Um, and since every year we change location, it's great if they'd re-register. That way you know for sure that you'll be able to vote for this upcoming election and um, 
other stuff. So it'd be great if you just re-register. Uh, that's a sure way to make sure that you can vote. That's great. And so some of them may say, oh, I'm registered in another place. And so I guess you can still pitch them that message that will make sure, confirm in the other place where you're registered, not here, not at this precinct. And yes. how many precincts are there on campus for them to, uh, polling places for them to vote at? Uh, right now, um, I personally don't know. Okay. But we'll find um, out. Yeah, we, we definitely know that when we once we find out, or at least like, maybe I don't know, but I'm sure that's um, people like up there in the hierarchy know. Uh, they'll definitely let us know. We the actually, student union will know. Yeah, we are actually doing a pledge, uh, pledge to vote, which is uh, we got their contact info if they wanted to give it to us, and we'd remind everyone that registered and that filled one of those pledge to votes. Um, ah. we, we'd contact them and remind them of the polling place, the time, and, of course, the day and everything. Uh, so that's great. And I want to mention, I don't have information until tomorrow, October 10th, but there is a community member. I could mention her, but I'm not sure she's ready for that yet. <laughs> but uh, she is working uh, with the, the university as well as the, the voter registrar's office in Orange County to make sure you have not one but two early voting days on the campus so people can space it out, especially new voters. They may want that that. Uh, latitude so that they make mm -hmm. sure they can fit it in because they're they're all learning about time management and they mm -hmm. they oh they'd be hard-pressed to miss a, the voting if they you know hadn't managed their time properly so that, that's that's in the work so we'll uh, I'll be able to uh, put that in our KUCI news coming up and I'll be sure CalPerg and all of you know about that as well so perfect they're, they're aware and we're coordination is everything because as we've heard from Greg Palace that there's a besides uh, the the coordination there's a lot of collusion and there it's those forces are unbelievably uh, uh, immense and uh, so everything we can do and every and I'm sure um, once you get somebody voting you know you started them on mm -hmm. some democratic behavior some reflexes political reflexes so mm -hmm. that they know <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do every time there's an election you're supposed to make sure your registration is in order and you vote so um, are there other um, activities that CalPerg is getting students on board with this year yeah we we have a whole bunch of campaigns um, our lead one is the New Voters Project, which is to get new students registered and voting. But um, after after November 6th, when the election is, you know, uh, finished, we'll be working on a couple other campaigns. We have the Oceans Campaign, where we're working towards a statewide ban on plastic bags. Um, that's what I was interning for last year. And um, across the state, because we have CalPERGs um, across the state, in the different UCs and other colleges, uh, we're working to get individual um, municipalities and cities, uh, cities and counties um, banning plastic bags. So our latest and I guess greatest victory was LA County, or the city of LA rather. And so that was the largest city to ever ban plastic bags. Uh, I think currently we have 56 bans and uh, we're trying to get more so that when we push for a statewide ban, uh, we could finally get it passed. Well, that's great. And I want uh, for you, before you head out, uh, um, before we conclude the interview, Ryan Borden, who's a student here majoring in political science here at UCI, for those mm -hmm. who've just tuned in, uh, Cal people can get involved, can get in touch with CalPERG, the websites that get them there. So um, we have a couple of websites. There's the official CalPERG website. It's um, calperg.org. C-A-L-P-I-R-G.org. Yes, thank you. And we're also um, going to update our Facebook since we are a college organization that is run by students. Um, we we saw that as the best way to get um, in touch with a What's lot of people. What's the Facebook page called? It's going to be CalPerg uh, UCI. CalPerg UCI. Okay, mm -hmm. good. Well, good. So I I uh, wish you all the success in engaging. It's not just about showing up and going through the motions, but really engaging these. New young voters, and mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Are you finding? Uh, let's see. They're all. They've all been. They're all. Nat they're not naturalized. They're all native-born, probably. They're all. Um, so they 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 get that they are a part of the process and the system here now, and that they. This is this is what it's. It's an invigorating kind of a uh, <laughs> process to be involved with. So that oh, definitely. That you're seeing that engagement, and I don't are more walking towards you than away from you at this point so we can just do like a an envelope sketch of, of your uh, progress it's probably a 40 40 20 of 
40 people uh, 40 percent want to like come and register 40 percent um have already registered which is great and 20 percent uh don't know anything about it and so we just let them inform them and do some of the 20 percent write up uh, a contact sheet about following it up oh no no um we have booths on on ring road uh we were in the involvement fair we're doing class wraps um we had info sessions where we're calling people and so um those 20 percent were able to get more information on voter registration in those ways and um a lot of students too are international students and those people are very uh, interested and so that's great uh yeah we have a great demographic here well, I'm so glad that you could be with us to tell us, to post us on your progress right now. We're going to uh, thank you, Ryan Borden. Thank you for having me. UCI CalPerg intern for joining us. We'll be back after a moment with Leslie Cursell about her autism awareness walk coming up at the Great Park this Saturday. Stay with us. <laughs> C'est la mère de toutes les pensées, le couronnement de toutes les vertus. C'est pas de moi, je l'ai lu, direct ça m'a plu. La force d'inertie me cloue au lit. Thank you for staying with us, everybody. We have so much to cover at, with our last guest here on Ask a Leader. She is Leslie Crucil. She's grown up in Orange County, in Tustin, that is, and has spent 25 years in education. She's taught from the high school level up to the university level and was a teacher trainer with the Orange County Department of Education for many years. She's currently with Santiago Canyon College in the adult division and she guest lectures at Chapman University in their teacher training tract. She's also the author of You Don't Need to Know That, The Saga of Sammy, which chronicles the raising of her daughter with autism over a 20-year period. She comes to us today from... From Orange, California. From Orange, the city of Orange. Welcome, Leslie Crusell, to Ask a Leader. Thank you. Well, first, your daughter, Sammy, is now 24 years old. Tell us, Leslie, what it was like to raise her throughout the various developmental phases with the available resources along the way. It was quite a challenge. Uh, certainly, the resources that are available today weren't available many, many years ago. And I almost felt like we kept getting to the train station. We would make strides ahead, but then the train would leave the station again. As more things were known about autism, uh, as more research was being done, we benefited, but we were always just almost too late. You know, we continued through school. By the time my daughter graduate, graduated, there were many, many kids with autism coming up behind her. But we sort of missed that. When my daughter Sammy was in school, she literally was the only girl in school with autism. The only one. So you were all alone with um, commiserating, sharing, sharing resources, uh, distinguishing between snake oil and um, real me measures toward intervening with your daughter. So that must have been really, really difficult. It was very difficult, and it was at a time when uh, research was just beginning, and so I was so hungry to find out everything I could. And I was stymied very often with you know, no information and doctors who were just beginning to sort of recognize that a lot of the kids actually that had ADD and ADHD who had been diagnosed were actually now exhibiting a few different kinds of characteristics. And many doctors were taking a second look at their patients and saying, well, you know, actually it might not be just ADD or ADHD. Let's, let's take a closer look. And that's when autism really began to explode. Well, for those of you who've just joined us, we're talking to Leslie Crusill. She is author and advocate for children on the autistic spectrum. As we acknowledge the upcoming event at the Great Park, Walk Now for Autism Speaks here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, the, the walk about which we're speaking is going to be on Saturday, uh, October 13th, and the registration starts uh, from uh, 8 to 9.30 9.30 to 10 is the opening ceremony, and then the walk will start after that. What uh, do you hope will uh, be uh, a 
some byproducts, some goals that are met that there at the walk? Well, it's a really exciting time, and it will be a fantastic, exciting day. I think one of the main goals is to really bring awareness uh, to the community and awareness of the fact that we're looking at one in 88 children and one in 54 boys being diagnosed currently. And we are feeling that there needs to be really stepped-up efforts in the area of research because something certainly is happening, and it's happening at a critical level. And the walk brings that awareness. The walk also brings together support for families. And I think in in my personal case, since that was a, a tough area for me coming up, I genuinely enjoy that aspect of the autism activities, and especially with Autism Speaks, because it gives parents a chance to really talk face-to-face with other parents and understand that we're all in this together and that we are all going through many of the very same things. A very important thing. And I think we all know from uh, various situations that we're confronted with how that kind of, uh, of connection helps give us more literacy insight and uh, feel that uh, support and the validation uh, from others. So, um, well, Sammy was um, uh, educated, then eventually her, her last uh, education was at the, the Wilshire Adult Education School at Fullerton Community College. Can you tell yes. us a little bit about uh, that chapter at this point as we start to close the interview? Well, it's very exciting right now in the sense that, um, you know, we've come a long way, baby, as they say. Yes. Sammy has progressed tremendously, and while she still definitely has issues and is definitely still on the spectrum, uh, she is able to function in the adult ed uh, community college section in Fullerton it's called the Wilshire Program, and it is designed for special needs young people and young adults. And so we're now looking at, you know, the bigger issues in life, like working and being able able to live independently and the possibility of those things. And so for our generation of moms with kids who are a little bit older now, those are the pressing issues. Our kids need to have jobs and be employed and feel like they're an integral part of society and contributors and so on. And with so many kids now coming up behind us, this is a critical issue for for our society and our our nation in general. We have many, many kids who are going to need employment and places to live. And what kinds of vocational prospects does your daughter, Sammy, uh, bring with all the training and intervention along the way? What, what is she uh, able to, um, to do? Well, interestingly, most parents will tell you that their children with autism have special talents at something, and my Samantha is is exactly no different than that. She's very, very good with her hands. She knits and sews and crochets. She's a whiz at puzzles. She has a visual acuity uh, that is very, very hypersensitive, and she would love to work at someplace like Joanne Fabrics or Michael's, or a craft store, or a yarn store, because she has so much ability with her hands. And those are really her strong points. Um, She once built a playhouse when she was young, literally a playhouse, and she enjoyed that also. Built by meaning built like lumber? like constructed a playhouse in our backyard. And she actually took a picture of it, and we sent it to Bob Vila, who sent us back a a picture of himself with a lovely letter. So those are her strong abilities, definitely. Just quickly, Bob Vila, folks, that was the original home builder, do-it-yourselfer, before it... Things got all glitzed out, so that, Absolutely. that dates. Uh, this is dating dating when uh, when Sammy was uh, along the way building. Exactly. Well, we have um, there is a website for you to uh, join in on the those joining Leslie Crusill at the Walk at the Great Park, October thirteenth. The website is walknowforautismspeaks.org. And um, everybody, it'll it, on that website. You'll get more information about um, what uh, the features are, what to do. Now, you'll you don't. Uh, there's nothing. Uh, there's no concern about registering any time. Uh, I mean, if, if they're the last minute, you'll take anybody. 
Absolutely. We're looking at over 8,000 participants. And so we would urge anyone who hasn't registered already to definitely come a little bit early. And we would love to have you. We have many, many high school students who are also participating and are able to satisfy their high school community service credit. And so it's a wonderful experience to be able to contribute and satisfy that also. Well, very fine. Well, I hope everyone has a chance. I know a lot of people that are working on knocking on doors during the campaign uh, leading up to the 2010 election, but there's there's an opportunity to step out for a moment and uh, see what you can learn from parents, from fellow parents, from parents of your neighbors, uh, uh, friends that your neighbors might need resources from. So this is, Absolutely. Uh, this gets it done. So, and this is which annual event? This is the eighth walk. Okay. So, and it's uh, been uh, always uh, in not just Irvine. Where were the previous walks? Well, we had, we had several walks at Anaheim Stadium, actually. And um, that venue worked for a while, and we were sort of looking for something a little, little more spacious and open. And um, so the Great Park is absolutely a fantastic venue for this event. Very good. It has everything you'll need in accommodating the walkers. So and so people will walk around. They'll have plenty of t- chance to, I guess, look at booths. Uh, yes, and there'll be some activities there for the kids, and so it'll be a wonderful day. Very good. Well, Leslie, thank you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to tell us about not only what we can partake in this weekend, but giving us an insight about this long haul of making <laughs> uh, making it even better than what you thought was you were starting out with, your discovery along the way of what's made Sammy the productive, engaged, wonderful young woman that she is. I well, thank you so much. Take it's stock. been my pleasure. Thank you, and uh, we'll hope maybe we can come back again with some other installments, another publication or something along the line. That, that would way. be fabulous. Well, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Well, that was the end of our string of three guests today. I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, next week, I have planned uh, two people who um, two separate propositions we're going to cover, Proposition 32 and Proposition 37. And I'll close by acknowledging today, uh, it would have been John Lennon's 72nd birthday. It's his son, Yoko, and Yoko Ono's son, Sean Lennon's 36th birthday. Next up is George Rosales with George Hat Hat. Thank you for listening. Way down deep in your deep, deep heart is a fire. Way down 